so this week we're we're taking a look at um, the WeChat Open class and also discussing some some uh, more recent developments, um, seemingly coming coming you know just just after uh, planned to just come after that Open class. Um, of course, much of the Open class was uh, in particular about uh, many programs. Um, and what we're seeing over the last week um, is that uh, there's been some 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 small but significant changes to many programs, and then also um, some some interesting additions to uh, to to WeChat Pay. So so Matt, um, I guess to kick to kick things off, I mean, so for the, for the open class, what was your what was your impression? What was your your biggest takeaway? Oh, uh, I thought this year was quite different to last year. Um, I was, yeah, the, I mean, the, the big thing when you go to the open class is Alan Jung speaking. So the father, the father of WeChat, the founder of the original team, um, he's quite a mysterious guy, doesn't speak publicly any other time. And, um, uh, last year's talk was really good. It was excellent. He gave a, a lot of theory and uh, got a lot of insights of how he thinks. This year was uh, wasn't anywhere near as good in terms of what he revealed and, and how he spoke about how he the philosophy of the team and what they're really going for. Um, but having said that, you know, this year the the main takeaway from from uh, the annual conference was just you know, how far many programs have come and uh, how many programs are just everything now on WeChat. It's just, they're just all in on many programs and it's all they want to talk about. And it's, and it's all that the uh, developers and platforms that are built around the WeChat ecosystem that help businesses and brands work on the platform, all they care about is many programs now as well, which I've, you know, it's, it's quite nice for me because I've been, bashing on about mini programs for a year and a half now with most people thinking, you know, especially early on, they got criticized heavily um, in media at one stage. And uh, I felt like um, it was pretty tough to get people to see the value in, in, in the format and get people to understand what was really happening. Um, even people who I kind of respected were, were bashing them very heavily and uh, and now it's you know the light at the end of the tunnel has clearly clearly uh, come through, and it's obvious that these things are going to be huge, which to me was always obvious from day one. But uh, I think for most people, uh, it, that wasn't obvious. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree. Um, I remember you did, in, you in did terms of... actually, John, you did like a even a, an event in Beijing early on where they yeah. Which I, I, I couldn't attend. And I listened to it. I only had to listen to it. I was like really shocked at the content. It was, uh, yeah, <laughs> quite frankly, it was, it was completely, you know, the things that were said in the early days about mini programs were ridiculous from, from, from most people. Well, yeah, yeah. And I think, I think that, I think that, um, you know, it's it, sometimes it's just it's always. I mean, this is this is true of technology in general. It's, yeah. it's it can be difficult to to tell uh, what is actually going to catch on and, and what isn't. And, and because of that, I think it's also easy, very e- it's an easy uh, position to to take to um, to say that it's not going to work uh, because basically, you know, anything new. I mean, you don't, you have no idea. And so, one way or the other, it's easier to it's easier to give evidence to say why it's not going to work and versus. It's not not so easy to give evidence to say why why it necessarily will work because no one's ever used it before and in all these things. Yeah, um, definitely. But I think that it, 
but I think at, at, at the beginning, a lot of it was um, from from a lot of developers that I that I had talked to. It was just disappointment because they're, they and and it's funny because you know WeChat themselves didn't necessarily um, uh, overhype it. I think I think yeah. that 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 people just got a bit too excited. Because like the WeChat platform is a bit restrictive, um, for in some ways for for good reason perhaps, um, and maybe we can get into 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 why it's been restrictive with the official accounts and the subscription accounts, and so people were looking at the the mini programs hoping that it was going to be uh, more open, more more free, uh, a, a different way to interact with users and, and things, and then when it first launched, you know, you could only enter uh, a mini program through a QR code. Uh, you know, there was not going to be a mini program store, like a place, like a centralized place where you could, you know, uh, browse and, and choose uh, mini, mini programs and things like that. And so I think that was probably the, the biggest problem is just that people were just disappointed mm-hmm. uh, by, by, the, by, the, the, by the mini program product when it was launched. Right. I, I think a lot of those things haven't changed, though. I mean, um, the same complaints that people had in day one, uh, you know, you can't share it on moments. You can't put it on the newsfeed. That hasn't changed. Um, you know, they don't have push notifications. That hasn't changed. Um, so the core things that people were complaining about is still true. But um, yeah, it's just they've improved, and, and and because that's really against what the whole thing is meant to be about. Um, I, you know, I don't. I'd be. Supp- I, I never say never, but. Uh, and, it might be the case that you can never share them on on the moment's newsfeed and um, that they can never truly push notifications in the chat timeline. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that never changes. But, you know, never say never. but also, I mean, like in terms of in terms of pushing to the to the chat timeline, I mean, you have you have chatbots for that already, right? Yeah, I, I really be- got the feeling that the WeChat team felt that that was a big mistake to let brands into the chat timeline. Mm-hmm. That, that that's just the wrong way to for to put services into that environment. Yeah. Interesting. So I guess um why why do you why do you think that they're not allowing it into into the moments timeline? Is it just because that at the end of the day the the group chat or or the one-on-one chat is is more powerful in, yeah, in a sense? Yeah, it's it goes back to thinking about how okay, so WeChat basically invented, they wrote the book on how businesses and brands and services can be integrated into messaging with official accounts, which they launched in 2013. Um, Everyone's copied them to some degree. Uh, If you look at Line in Japan, which have done a fairly, uh, you know, faithful copy, um, or what Facebook's tried to do with Messenger, which is abysmal, in my opinion. (laughs) <laughs> but um, it has its own logic, I guess. And, uh, you know, to, to be fair to them, uh, they're working in a very different environment and um, it's a lot uh, more fragmented. They don't have, a, they lo- they don't have this, the same strengths that WeChat has in China. Um, but, yeah, so, so they, they, they created this system and then uh, now they're, they're, they're transitioning into, they're starting again from zero. They're resetting and, and this is official accounts 2.0 and they're doing it the way that they feel in the long term is more sustainable for the future and makes a lot more sense in terms of um, providing value to users. It's all about users. It's, it's about making things easy for people to do. Um, and when you look at, how, it's actually very, very difficult to, to, to do this correctly. Messaging 
when you when you uh, when you look at messaging environment it's really closed it's really private people spend a lot of time in wechat um and they spend a lot of time in whatsapp um and they spend a lot of time in facebook messenger but that time spent in that environment is usually talking directly to people one on one or in chat group chats and those environments are not um don't lend themselves to advertising and they don't lend themselves to the sort of typical way that we think about web you know web pages or services or apps none of that really works very well in that environment and so that's why you know facebook's completely failed at like trying to crack this and and whatsapp has hasn't even started trying yet um but wechat has well they're, they're starting to try now i think but wechat has cracked payments quite clearly in this environment you know you can send money to someone in a messaging environment as easily as you can send them a text message easier perhaps and, and so that that part of the puzzle has been totally cracked open by 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 wechat and that's that's actually you know that's due to lucky money basically and 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 that whole th- um revolution that happened so that's amazing i mean that that's 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 a foundational technology and and foundational thing to actually that they can build upon and without that this whole mini programs thing doesn't really make so much sense well so so i th- i feel like a lot of that um is is because you know WeChat the development team in in Tencent they 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 view uh, WeChat as a platform uh, rather than just uh, a messaging tool and yes. and so I'm I'm curious so but but my question then is you know was it was it always like that and when when do you think they realized hey if we're actually going to take advantage of this that we need to make it into a platform because I remember you know when it when it first got launched it was just it was only a, a messaging tool and then yes. it, you know slowly but surely it started to add in um like uh like government services and and, and bill being able to pay bills and, and things like that even before if i remember correctly yes. and yeah. please correct me if i'm wrong even before wechat pay uh came onto the scene um wechat pay was launched in 5.0 version 2013 i think which is um that you know looking back on it now it was a, a you know a, a a game-changing moment, but just as just as many programs, you know, get, WeChat Pay out the door day one, month one, month two wasn't this huge revolution. It wasn't people started sending money to each other um, really freely, and that you could go into stores and buy anything with WeChat Pay. If you, if you judged WeChat Pay in month one, you would have said it was a failure, um, and that's what people judged many programs in month one and said it was a failure. That 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 was that's the key difference because the expectation was so high because of the reputation of WeChat and their massive success and you know they obviously the high management had made let everyone know this is a big deal it's going to be a thing so people expected it to be huge straight away um, but that's just not how ecosystems work it's not how um, these it's not how these revolutions happen. Um, so going back to your point, yeah, WeChat. I think they had a massive advantage, which um, was Tencent already had QQ. So Tencent had been building social products for a long, long, long time before WeChat, and I think they had all of that experience and all of that uh, frustrations of the missed opportunities um, built up. And then when they started with WeChat and when it was clear that WeChat had really, really gained a lot of traction and was past the tipping point and, and had won the sort of mobile messaging war on, on mobile, that they could say, okay, great, we've got this new fresh platform. Let's do things properly this time. 
let's really integrate this with services properly. Let's really look at getting payments involved in this properly. And let's, let's, let's do this. Whereas, you know, a lot of messaging platforms, if you compare it to Line in Japan or KakaoTalk in, in, in South Korea, you know, those guys are monetizing on stickers and things like that, right? So which is right. the obvious thing. When, when you, if you're a company that's just got this messaging, if you're new to messaging and, and before, if, if there was not, WeChat hadn't done any of this in China, you would think, okay, how do we make money from this messaging thing? We've got hundreds of millions of people who aren't using our product. And yeah, the obvious thing is to say, let's charge for stickers. <laughs> you know, let's, uh, let's do simple things like that and monetize that way. Whereas, whereas Tencent was just thinking, on it, on, thinking about it on a completely different level and, um, mm. and, and really saying, no, this, what we've got here is we have the, you know, the unique identifier for everybody on their phone. Uh, no matter what, everyone's going to be spending huge amounts of time in in this app, and it's got your social network. It's got your social uh, network plugged in automatically, um, and it's your you, it's your identifier. It's your profile, and that means we can use WeChat as the identifier for any kind of interaction that you make. That's O to O, and and we have that in outside China as well. You know, like Facebook login, Twitter login. Um, where you can use your social profile to quickly, um, you know, log into other platforms or, or, or other services, right. but they're just taking that so much further, that logic, and, uh, and saying, okay, WeChat's really the center of, of what you can do, whether that's making a payment or whether that's logging into another service or app yeah. or whether that's sharing something socially. Um, so that that's it's just that 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 vision for it, and and not going for the like the. Sticker, let's monetize from stickers. Not having that mentality, it's it's just a completely different mentality. But I mean, but also, I mean, in in part because they had they had the luxury of time in a sense, where you know, ten cent. So this is kind of this is kind of why I was why I was bringing up like this platform aspect because, I mean, if 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 WeChat never monetizes, it's still serving. It's still serving as a monetization channel, a huge monetization channel for Tencent to all of their other products. Um, and of course, with with WeChat, you add in WeChat Pay and the ability to um, to make a percentage uh, on the float or um, to make a percentage in terms of transaction fees or or something. That opportunity is huge. So, like if WeChat never implements advertising. Or, or an effective way for brands to advertise. If if uh, WeChat WeChat stores never really take off, um, the 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 position of WeChat in the Tencent ecosystem, it, it's pivotal. It's 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 a cornerstone because, like like you were saying, you can use it to sign into everything, um, and and you know it it it's it's a it's a channel into all of their all of their other products other social products uh, other mm-hmm. gaming products uh, entertainment products and, and things like that and so I think that, that that's probably one of the biggest differences they had the luxury of time in a sense um, in that you know Tencent is this big company doing pretty well already and also they realized that if you did, did this right then then you know then it's just going to be so important that that um, it's it's just going to you know be the center of of the rest of everything that they do. Hmm. It's infrastructure, right? It's infrastructure. Right. Um, 
WeChat Pay as infrastructure, WeChat Login as infrastructure, and then the sort of massive traffic and social graph is also infrastructure. Um, and the way they're approaching it, uh, it is as an operating system, as in you don't need to leave WeChat. We just integrate and share traffic and share and, and make it easy for payments and make it easy for um, doing sharing to socially not sort of this is what they want to go against of like sort of viral campaigns and and, and trying to um people to to get into the moments news feed and, and that's what marketers want to do and, and marketers ruin everything basically by <laughs> trying to uh well they do like that's that's the that's the that's the um that's the thing about algorithms right is that uh, marketers work out how to game algorithms. Right. If, you're, if your social platform relies on an algorithm, WeChat doesn't rely on any algorithms. That's a core difference between WeChat and almost every other Western um, social platform. There's, 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 there is a one, as far as I can identify, there's one algorithm in the newsfeed which simply hides posts of people that you don't interact with, and that's mm -hmm. all it does. Mm -hmm. There's no reordering. There's no, oh, did you miss this? Um, there's, there's no like promotion of, of uh, posts that are going viral, nothing like that. It's a very, very simple newsfeed. And they're trying to move away from the newsfeed being the core and, and bring it back into messaging and, and into groups with, with mini programs and, and also um, with the sort of the, the new entry point they've, they released a couple of weeks ago, which is a huge game changer for many programs, which is the um, sort of what, what every other social app in the world is using it for stories, right? So from, from Snapchat, where you, where you have the little circle of pucks at the top of the, of the, the homepage. Mm -hmm. So this is an innovation that, that Snapchat brought a couple of years ago um, into, into social apps. And, uh, and it's been co famously copied by Facebook you know, cut and paste into all of their products. Um, and then Weibo's done it as well in China. So you've seen all the big social applications use this because it is actually works for very, very well. But all of them have just unimaginatively copied Snapchat and not really added anything too much to the format. I mean, in, in Facebook's case, they, they've just re literally have copied it. So, so, so just, so, um, so what, what, what exactly is that then? What are, what are, what are, what are, Snapchat stories and, and how is how is WeChat innovated on them? So Snapchat stories is a way to, you know, show a sort of unfiltered, raw stream of your life, a little pic, a little snippet, right? Of oh, this is what I'm doing now. Um, and they they sort of disappear and they're mm. type type experience, which is what Snapchat's gonna be about. Um, and then that's, that's been taken and integrated into most of Facebook's core products. And it works similar on Weibo. But then WeChat said, okay, the, the core innovation there, actually, one, one of the core innovations is that you can sort of uh, access this from the, from the homepage. And it's, um, you, don't, you can do it one, with one hand and it's sort of intuitive and it provides a, a different way to access information. That's actually one of the core innovations um, in terms of how it flows in terms of a product um, is actually really, really interesting. But um, they've just said, okay, let's, well, we don't really want to provide people with, let's just take this and, and, and say, okay, let's use this sort of entry point. And instead of doing it for like insights into your life, we'll just make it into apps. 
so that you can access all the apps easily from the top. So it's, a, it's an entry point that makes well, for, for WeChat, it's mini programs. Mini programs are the, kind of their version of apps. And you can access the, the, your recently used apps like with one hand, super quick from the timeline. It's actually easier to get to your last used mini program than it is to get to another app. On, on phones now, if you're, if you're on that home screen. And so that ease of access is the, is the game changer there. That means it's, you know, once people have built that habit because it's less friction to get to a mini program than it is to actually get out of WeChat and go to another app, that's, that's why it's so, it's so important. Yeah, and I guess that that, that kind of leads leads into you know I mean again we're we're broadly speaking we're 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 talking about um, uh, mini mini programs. Um, so I guess you know looking at looking at the um, no hang on sorry. So there's so there's one thing. So we're talking a lot about mini programs, but there is one thing that I, I wanted to circle back to really quickly um, and kind of get 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 your feedback on it as well. So this was actually the first time that I had I had I, I had seen Alan Zhang um, up on stage um, speaking, and one of the things that I was really struck by was just how uncomfortable he seemed on on stage. Um, a, a lot of stops and starts. Um, he felt it felt like he was rambling a lot like he never didn't really prepare for uh the keynote um and then he kept fiddling with his with his microphone as well as if either someone told him that that he that it was popping too much or 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 maybe like he felt uncomfortable with it or you know he wasn't familiar with with how those types of microphones works and thought that he had to keep keep messing with it to make sure that it was picking him up um and so I was really kind of struck by that because usually, you know, number one, I mean, when someone gives a keynote, they're, they're, they, they, they should be pretty, pretty confident. Uh, and that's kind of the whole point. But whereas this time, you know, he, it, it, it felt quite the opposite. Yeah, he's a terrible public speaker, <laughs> basically. Um, and, uh, but people will wait, you know, on his every word because he is really a genius. He's really a product genius. Uh, he's the closest thing China has to a, uh, a Steve Jobs, uh, a tech visionary. He really is. Um, what he's, he's, him and his team have single-handedly changed China several times. So, so basically, basically people, I mean, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Like no one, no one was really surprised by, by um, his idiosyncrasies on stage. No, it's well known that he's shy, um, that he's a poor public speaker, um, that he's quite nervous and uh, often fiddles with stuff and forgets <laughs> what he's going to say halfway through. Okay. Yeah. So I guess... But, uh, yeah, like I say, he's, he's part of his persona, I guess, publicly. I, I, I Personally, I feel he probably okay. hams it up a bit the love, the love. Um, to lower expectations uh, and... Um, yeah, I mean, it's quite clear. But it's quite clear that he has very deep mm. thoughts about his product and is very philosophical about how they approach WeChat. And, um, and, and that comes across with some of the content. Some of the things he says really provide very deep insights mm. into how they think mm. occasionally. So, so, because one of the things that I've been kind of thinking about recently, um, so I just started using... Um, um, some other instant messaging platforms um, to 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 connect more with people outside of China, and what I realized is that in some ways, and maybe it's because I'm a foreigner, um, in some ways, the 
the user experience of these other applications as a messenger is actually a little bit better than than WeChat. Um, and, and in particular, I'm thinking of, of Telegram um, and, uh, and specifically Telegram. And so I just started using it. And what I realized is that like it just it feels better to use. Um, there are certain quality of life things that are, that are there um, that I think just make that just make um, a bit a bit more sense in terms of so in terms of like the the design language it feels a bit more modern um, some of the the little the little bells and whistles make it feel smoother um, and then also some of the things that you can do with with the group chats and also with like the uh, the channels you can so you can make like channels um, where it's basically just broadcast instead of instead of um, instead of uh, like a group chat or or something like that. Um, and so one of the things that like I was thinking, thinking that, you know, maybe part of it is because um, WeChat and, and, and in particular uh, exemplified by um, by Alan Zhang is that is that WeChat is, you know, a, a, a team of of engineers who don't necessarily think about some of these bells and whistles like they're not, you know, world class UX designers. No, no, no. Rather... Nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. WeChat is a product which has the difference between Telegram and WeChat is the same as WeChat between QQ. Okay, so QQ uh, or te- Telegram, who are the target users? Who uses Telegram? How many people above the age of 50 use Telegram? I would say probably almost none. How many people above the age of 50 use WeChat? Tens of millions. Right, a significant part of Chinese, you know, basically all Chinese people use this use this messaging app. It's an operating system. They have to have a product that is suitable for everyone, and most people are not tech savvy. And when you've got a product that is used by everyone, any tiny change that you make to it basically affects society. If you change the group's uh, rule in WeChat, you are changing Chinese society. Because there's so much business and communication that runs through WeChat groups. It's like the pipelines for information across the whole of mainland China. And it's being used by all cross-sections of society. So they're really limited in what they can do. And they have to be super careful with making, and they don't have the freedom to make, make changes that a product like Telegram would be able to make because their user base is much, will be, the average age will be much younger. The average... Um, level of um, savviness with mobile products will be higher. Um, WeChat can't leave any section of society out. And when you look at, when you compare to WeChat to QQ, for example, QQ has now clearly positioned itself, which is Tencent's secondary mobile product, as for young people. And if you start using QQ, you'll see it's this amazingly vibrant and lively application which has tons of features in there, which you don't, I, I don't see it on any other social platform. Um, you can have little avatars in there. That sort of, you can like send the stickers that sort of shake the actual chat um, thread itself and, and uh, like have these animations going on. It's like it's, it, it's in, they've got an incredible amount of features in there. You've got like an, a range of selfie uh, filters that push Snapchat to shame. It's just there's hundreds of them. Um, and, and, and so, you know, that's because that product is for young people and that's what young people mm. want and, and that's where it's positioned. And so they've got freedom and young people want stuff that changes and is really, really nicely designed and animated and cute. 
um, whereas WeChat has to work for everyone. And so that's the core difference. Right. Right, and it's funny because I was just going to ask. So, but can't can't they just make like a like a like a a Weixin Nianqingban or like a like a WeChat young person's yeah, that's, that's uh, version? And that's QQ, right? Exactly, exactly. No, and I think it's it's kind of interesting um, as well, and it, it explains a lot. I think you know because I think that one of the points that I've made in in previous episodes about uh, mini programs was that it was it was a bit of a failed launch. Um, but I think that you know looking if you look at it from kind of that perspective of of any minor change you know is going to affect um you know the, the it was going to affect a wide swath of of demographics and and it could it could potentially you know as you say disrupt communication but then also maybe just people would stop using it or then revert back to text messages or or whatever um because if they don't understand how to use something they're going to find something else that they do understand yeah. a, l- a large number um, of people who are not tech savvy get annoyed when when you know they don't want change right they want and so wechat has again it comes back to the philosophy of being an operating system operating systems don't change that much um you know they're stable they're the foundation that everything else is built upon uh, and the apps that you use on that will change a lot it will change much more yeah so th- so that makes that makes sense, and so like an analog might be um, might be iOS, Apple with their with their iOS because they've been um, and with the iPhone in general because they've been notoriously slow with introducing certain um, certain innovations and, and certain features, uh, and then of course when they do, you know, for example, you know, taking away the headphone jack or something like that, people people go nuts, um, or you know, introducing the lightning jack instead of instead of the other the other. Um, the, the bigger one. I remember a friend of mine was super pissed when that when that happened. Um, and and of course, you know, Android users for the longest time have been poking fun at Apple users, iOS users, because of that 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 slowness. But then, you know, they they're treating it very similar to um, to how Tencent is treating WeChat as the basis for for everything else. And so they have to be careful about how and when they they innovate and in- introduce change. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed, but the version numbers on WeChat just is for the longest time now is stayed at version six point something something something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't gone on to version seven. It's just completely you know slowed that in terms of the user changing things like groups or changing things like how the core user experience works for messaging. It's just about small refinements as all they've been doing for the past year and a half is like making lots and lots of small changes, but no real big game changes. Just refine this. This this experience as a messaging um, tool is is there. Uh, We don't need to change it. In fact, if we change it, we're going to we could end up disrupting it for a lot of um, a lot of people. Uh, and what they're rapidly innovating on is mini programs, which is a, a tool to allow services into this into this environment. And the beauty of, of what they've been able to achieve is that if, if, you, if you don't want to use that, the core experience of WeChat has really not changed that much um, in the past year and a half. But at the same time, if you're using mini programs or if you're, if you're um, involved in a sort of brand or, or business perspective, there's been massive changes. And so for some people, the platform is changing at lightning speed. And for other people, it seems like this hasn't changed at all. Um, 
so so also one of the one of the big the big um parts of of the open class was talking a lot about uh the mini the the mini games that has that had been introduced and in particular you know this game uh tiaoi tiao or literally literally jump jump i guess is is how you could translate it um i mean it just mm-hmm. went absolutely viral yeah. um i think in part because it was the first mini game um on wechat but but the way that the way that i see it is you know mini games are just another version of mini program and so similar to what we saw with app stores uh, on on phones you know games are going to be uh, very important um to developing the the ecosystem um and to pulling people into the ecosystem but it, it, they're they're fundamentally not that different from a mini program yeah i, I agree they're just a, a a kind of mini program uh, a category and um it's interesting last year at the annual conference Alan Jung was very clear he said many programs there's no games and now there's games and he said there's no live stream and now there's live stream so <laughs> you have to be uh, you do have to take what they say with a little bit of a pinch of salt and look at what they're doing rather than what they're saying sometimes and then think about where it's actually uh going in the long run so are mini programs uh, a competitor to apps today? No, clearly not. But you know, then think about where it's going in in two years. Uh, is is so is my is my take on that. Um, but yeah, mini games are definitely incredibly popular. Uh, they gave some statistics. I think it's something like um, what was it? Uh, Hundred and so the stats, the key stats from the from the conference were as. Uh, 580,000 mini programs now. Um, there's there's 170 million daily active users of mini programs. And mini games have been played by something like 300 million people, I think. I can't remember. Uh, 310. Yeah, 310 million people have played mini games. But that's rather unsurprising that that. That, that 310 is actually a bit low in my in my opinion because when you updated WeChat recently, they they um, you know there was a push to that game with the update, so ah. that's why that number's so high, right? Right. Because um, right. if you, I, I don't think you had to play the game, um, but it was there was a push with the update for at least for some people. Now, I don't know if for all users. Um, so that would explain why that number's so high, and um, and that would explain why the game's so popular. Uh, you know, the last time they did that was um, again when they launched WeChat Pay. They had a game called uh, Pencil Pilot, which was a shoot 'em up game. And uh, I don't know if you remember that one, John. It was uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I do, I do, and I because I because I kept going into um, I kept going into the game interface because uh, this is this was at a time in my life where I played a lot more uh, mobile games than I do now. I play very few mobile games these days, um, and so, but I kept going into the into the games menu, hoping that there was going to be something new, and it was always that yeah. just that. Yeah, one. so that's the second time that they've pushed a game. Both times they've gone; those games have been incredibly successful, and both times they've been very simple games. Um, but it's unsurprising if you push something to every WeChat user, it's going to have hundreds of millions of users. I mean, that's just the way <laughs> that's it has to by 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 definition. Um, so that number's not particularly impressive, but um, the, the DAU number is, is quite interesting. 170 million daily active users. That's encouraging. That's very encouraging that, that, um, there is an active, 
um, ecosystem of users. And then half a million is, again, that's quite an encouraging number. Um, when we compare that to official accounts, there's uh, over 20 million official accounts, and there's something like 3.5, I think, uh, active um, official accounts. So having half a million mini programs after one year, um, it's kind of, to me, I look back at the data or the estimations for official accounts, it's kind of similar. So actually, we can probably expect an explode For official accounts, they really exploded in year two. Um, I would expect many programs to be similar. Is um, We'll have to see. It might be a little bit slower, but certainly this year um, is going to be, there's going to be a lot more than half a million. They'll, it, will go into, it will go into the millions for sure. One sec. So the games, the thing about the games is um, it's super interesting because Tencent makes 41% of their revenue on games. So anything that the, you know, a big change like this has got very serious implications for their core revenue stream. And uh, I don't, haven't seen too many people assess that correctly or, or even assess it at all um, when it's been talked about um, in the press. And um, it's quite clear that mini games could be uh, a real boost to the revenue of, uh, of Tencent. Uh, in this area, potentially, but they're sort of hampered right now. Um, you know, they've still got a precarious situation to some degree with uh, Apple because um, from what, what it seems to be is that you can only monetize these games through advertisements right now, um, which is, you know, quite different from normally, I think, free games you'd be looking to monetize from uh, um, in-app purchases. And upgrades, but doing that through the WeChat ecosystem would immediately create some tension there, uh, at least with Apple. Um, but whether that will change in the long run, we'll have to see. Uh, I think there's questions over, over that. Um, and then, uh, you know, will it end up? Will they end up self-disrupting uh, a lot of their traffic and um, user base in in games, in apps that they already have, uh, and then? So a lot of these mini games mm. will end up displacing users. I mean, you could look at it two ways. You could say, okay, the mini program version of a game could end up driving a lot of traffic to the app. But then conversely, you could say, well, it could be taking, taking away from the app as well. And that's the core sort of inherent question here for all of this is, are mini programs a replacement for apps? Um, and... Uh, well, I mean... I, the the answer to that is is clear. They're they're not a replacement for apps. Um, and just as I don't I don't think many many games are are a replacement for for mobile games. I mean I think that it's it's fun. It's interesting because you you look at it in terms of demographics, right? So you know hardcore gamers are not going to play many mobile games because the 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 experience is not in depth enough. Um, the the ability to interact with the world is not complete enough. Um, so you have like hardcore gamers, people who, you know, spend a lot of time playing games and really get into it. Um, you know, they have, you know, their own their own gaming machines or they have a console or, or something like that. Uh, and then you have, you know, uh, mobile games like Candy Crush, like Angry Birds. These are, you know, so-called casual games, which, of course, people can spend a lot of time 
playing as well. But the people who play those kind of games are not the kind of people that play the games on 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 PC PC and consoles. Um, usually, end up um, uh, a lot of times a lot, a lot of women are, are attracted to casual games, um, whereas a lot of men are attracted to, to so called hardcore games. Um, and so, I think I think it's basically it's 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 like moving down the stack in in some ways. And so you have. You know the most the most involved experience is going to be on the PC. You know, going 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 forward in VR and things like that, and then going down into mobile games, uh, where the experience is much less involved. Um, it's it's a, it's much less complete experience. Going down into into mini games because again, like mini games, it's like mini programs. You 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 pick it up, you put it down. You pick it up, you put it down. Um, I I feel like it's going to be much more disposable and 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 much more. Um, I mean, again, my sense is 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 geared towards these kinds of games that um, are you, you you can just pick up and play for a few seconds. Um, and so, it, it 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 on the one hand, I mean, on the one hand, it could be, um, I, I would say it probably won't be a replacement. Um, I don't think that they would be very smart to try to do mini game versions of their of their games that they have currently. Um, but I do think that it could just be a different demographic, the kind of demographic that is in WeChat. Um, someone someone puts a mini game into into a group chat, says, "Hey, beat my high score," and you pick it up and you play it for five seconds, and you you do or you don't, and and if you want, you you try again, something like that. Yeah. Um, what's interesting here also is that Facebook did a lot with games before and then killed it all. Right? They there was a, a lot of gaming on Facebook at one stage. And then um, it all got it all got killed. Um, so, in some respects, we might be able to look at that. And at least I, I'm sure Tencent have looked at that and analysed it and thought about what what went wrong there before they went in this direction. Um, but yeah, that's the closest precedent we have for something like this. And I think me- Facebook Messenger also has games in it as well. Um, but I haven't heard anything about them since they launched, which would indicate they haven't really taken off. Um, uh, you know, again, so a lot of the hype for um, mini programs was because um, a lot of marketers and, and developers, they felt constricted by uh, uh, service accounts and uh, official accounts. So, I mean, do you think that mini programs so far have solved some of those pain points? Do you think that they will solve some of those pain points? Um, yeah, so marketers sort of have a love-hate relationship, I think, with the whole idea um, because when you think about so marketers kind of love service account because they use it the same way as we use email outside China. So email is the gold standard still. You always want to get people on your email list because it's a direct communication channel and you can push especially for business people, you can push it into their email. They're always going to check their email. So you're reaching them in a place where um, there's no algorithm stopping you. There's no, you're not beholden to anyone um, like, like you are on Facebook recently with them changing, making, announcing big changes. And then everyone who relies on Facebook for traffic is suddenly like their business model is uh, potentially in jeopardy. Um, so you're really beholden to the to the platform, whereas email is not like that. And, and for a service account, it is well. There's a let me caveat that you know, like there are filters with Gmail and platforms like that. So yes, it's not perfect, but broadly speaking, we can say it, it works like that. And uh, and then the service account is 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 getting a push notification once a week into your email box for China, which is your uh, your WeChat. Um, so it's the same logic that your marketers can reach 
their their fans, their followers, their customers on a regular basis in some place where they can be sure that 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 message will be received. And it's a direct thing because WeChat isn't, you know, it's not like other platforms like Weibo that we were talking about um, a couple of days ago um, with, with Eli, for example, um, where they change the rules a lot and they're essentially rent seek. There's a lot of rent seeking behavior um, where they would change the rules in order to extract more value from the brands and extract more value from the from the um, key opinion leaders. Whereas WeChat has a very sort of hands off. Um, you know, we don't charge for this stuff because it's a decentralized system. So they they don't charge um, for services beyond registering the official account. Um, which is a small nominal fee of, of about um, sixty dollars, um, something in that region, and then um, and then that's it, and it's free. But you 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 will never get promotion. It's decentralized, so you have to go out and find your own followers. You have to go in your own traffic, which is really the challenge of the whole system. Um, so mini programs is very very different dynamics from from service accounts, um, and the main entry point in the future is clearly going to be search but it's not there yet. So still getting traffic to mini programs is a, is a real challenge. But the dynamics of how it works, another big entry point is offline. So I think for those stores, so if we move into something like um, smart retail, which was another huge theme of the conference, Tencent and WeChat are really pushing very hard for smart retail, which is their version of new retail from Alibaba, um, but the same thing, it's a digitalization um, of, the, of the retail experience. Um, the mini programs add a lot of value to that because offline the entry point is a QR code typically or a mini program code. And um, so it's, retailers have had this huge problem for, I think it's a globally it's a problem, right? You, they want to digitalize somehow their experience and provide you with extra services on your phone and delight you with sort of you know games or, or whatever or like coupons or, or whatever it is. Um, but they can up until now they've really only got a lot of brands have been saying, okay, download our app in order to get loyalty and to get coupons and things like that. And do you, nobody really wants to download an app when you go into a if you go into H&M do you, are you, or if you go into uh, a supermarket like Carrefour, are you really going to download their app just for, uh, just for that? Like, I think the, the traction on that's very poor. Um, people just don't, wanna, don't have that level of um, commitment um, to, to do that. But, so a mini program solves a lot of those issues. It's also, and this is this, well, exactly, and that and that's the thing because I mean the thing is with with an with an app is that number one it's a very siloed experience. You have to um, you know go out of whatever you're doing, go to a home screen, and then go into um, another another application. So it's siloed. Um, the experience is going to be fract- fragmented from from app to app. Um, if you don't have the app on your phone, then you have to download it. And what if you're in a non-Wi-Fi environment and you have to use your data? Do you want to, you know, use 60 megabytes? I mean, like, I don't, I don't think that a lot of these, these apps are probably, you know, have the most elegant code either. So the, the file size is probably a bit bloated. Um, 
And so, yeah, do you want to spend, you know, the 60 megabytes, just, the 100 megabytes in order to download it? Probably not. Um, the time is like, are so you going to wait think, around for I think data plans have improved a lot in mainland China. Uh, you've definitely got a point. You know, 60 megabytes is not most people who care about that stuff would have a problem with that. But it's more, the, the key one's the time, right? It's just you have to sit there and wait for it to download, um, which is going to take half a minute, typically, right? 30 seconds. Are you going to sit there for half a <laughs> minute just, and wait for something to download? Just <laughs> No, nobody's going to nope. do that. Right? It's, um, yeah. Yeah. Which which just just really kind of speaks to, you know, what what a different age that 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 we live in that that waiting for 30 seconds. And it's it's very true of the web as well. I mean, if it takes more than 10 seconds for a page to yeah. load, most people are going to uh navigate away. Um but yeah, I think that it's really kind of interesting because, you know, we look looking at looking at new retail um I mean, obviously, it's not just Tencent that's that's uh, yep. becoming more active in this area, and, and in fact, they're they're almost a latecomer. Yep. Um, you know, um, Alibaba has been experimenting with their with their Hema stores. There's all of these different um, unmanned stores, like convenience stores, and then you know, um, I don't honestly, I don't know what to call them, but like yes. unmanned snack yeah. stands or something like that. I mean, what, what, how would you? Those, would you uh, I know them? what you mean. Um, yeah. The, the snack stalls, I guess, uh, like automated snack right. stalls. I mean, right. calling them staffless is a little bit misleading because they're so small, you would never have a staff for it anyway, right? But, right. Well, it's like it, it, it's more it's more of an alternative to the vending machine. Yes. So instead of yes. having, you know, someone who has to like open and close a vending machine and things like that, it's basically just an open rack of items that that then you know. Uh, I think I think that you know, based on a, an implicit trust in the in the consumer, that they are going to uh, scan scan the barcode and and pay for it. Uh, there's actually one in in our office here in Beijing, in the common area, and as far as I can tell, there's no security system. There's no uh, surveillance mm. system to guarantee that that people are are um, are actually uh, uh, paying for these things. But I mean, like for me at least, you know, I think that that that. I have that that have that habit. It's just it's unthinkable to take something and not pay for it. And so I think they're really kind mm. of banking on that. Mm. Um, but but again, so 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 my point being is that is that Tencent is a little late to 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 this. But as you were saying with the mini programs, actually they are perhaps best positioned to take advantage of. Yeah. It. So retail is a real battleground now between uh, Alibaba and Tencent. It's a real key battleground. So a couple of days ago, we had an announcement from Carrefour is joining the Tencent side. Of things, um, you know, most of the uh, big players in this space are going to have to pick a side. I think uh, Yonghui is the previous one who who joined them. Uh, you know, Alibaba has you know Herma. Um, they're they're pretty strong, obviously in in retail and um, in e-commerce. But um, the mini program is um, yeah, it's a really really uh, useful uh, weapon. I guess you could call it in this war. Um, it's got it's an area that can clearly add a lot of value to the experience uh, of digitalizing retail offline and WeChat's way ahead of Alipay, which are also doing mini programs, um, but they're very much you know, doing it in a reactive way to WeChat because it's really not, the, you know, it's really something that's coming from Alan Jung, this, this vision. 
So I just I just had a thought, and and you know if it doesn't make any sense, just just um or if it, or if it or if it's just too too crazy, just let me know. Um, but as you were saying that, I was just thinking because you know you look at you look at the way that competition in the internet era, in the digital era, the way it works, and in most verticals, there's there's a clear winner, right? Um, and but but what we're seeing in China is that clear winners in certain verticals. Are have expanded their ecosystems to the degree that they're no longer involved only in just one vertical, and so they've used their clear win in that vertical. So, um, so Tencent with social and entertainment, Alibaba uh, with uh, with e-commerce and, and marketplaces, and they're now expanding uh, into into a lot of different areas, doing a lot of different things. So, I mean, like, could could does this mean that you know there might that that, that they are fighting to be the winner of China, and that there might actually be, you know, uh, one of one of these companies might actually, you know, end up coming out on top. Um, I know that you know Alibaba just the other day they they broke the five hundred billion uh, market cap uh, milestone, but this is you know months after after Tencent did it. Um, but but really, I mean, like it feels it feels like it is there is this kind of duopoly. Uh, system uh, being being created, if if not already, um, but that that this this kind of stasis or 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 um, continued competition between the two of them may actually result in in a clear a clear winner. Mm, it's like a game of chess, so they're just blocking each other's moves. I think it's it's you know one of them invests in an area, the other one invests in it also. So it's going to be difficult for either one of them to gain a, a chokehold truly. Um, but the uh, we, we, we can say the reason why they are able to do this is because they both have the key areas on the phone that are important. And the phone is the remote control for your life. It's like the, the touch point between online and offline. Um, if you can, whoever controls the phone is going to control, you know, basically large parts of the entire economy um, because the phone right now is just the technology point it's that is um, it's the personal it's the truly personal computer it's the part that digitalizes your life um, so it's really the choke point through which these two companies are able to move into a whole variety of industries and immediately become a uh, a, a real big player because they're able to get the traffic and they're able to get they've got such an advantage in traffic and data um, and build up across all these different um, industries that they're in now um, the advantages just keep accruing and accruing to these guys um, it's not particularly healthy for competition and for a lot of people in different industries players it's really scary um, let's just pick another random like industry, like um, insurance, for example. You know, Tencent can move into insurance, uh, and they're selling insurance now through uh, through WeChat, medical insurance, and uh, pretty. You know, in a, in the space of a year or two, they're probably going to become a big player in this market from 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 nothing um, because they have the they, they have the eyeballs and they have the data in order to know who to target to correctly as well. So. Um, that's that's the reason why that's the core of, of what's behind all of this um, and yeah it's it's difficult to see where it's actually really going to play out to in the next uh, three four years but there's definitely a huge war happening 
and a massive change to society. All right. Um, well, well, Matt, I think that's about all the time that that we have for uh, for this uh, episode of China Tech Talk. Um, to our listeners, if you if you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you left a review on iTunes um, or. And, and maybe and or you could if you're on Overcast or Pocketcast, you can tap on that uh, that star button and it will rec- recommend this episode to your 